0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So we are in this series called The Father Solution. And it's been just the things people are saying back to me. Um, if half of them are, if it's only half true, this has been extremely impactful. I know it's all true, and there's more. It's just been an amazing journey already. Thinking about what a true spiritual father is, the father solution that today's world of chaos will only be solved by fatherhood, and there are there's a woeful lack of fathers naturally and spiritually. And I got some flack online from some people being upset that I, and saying, you know, what about spiritual mothers? And my thing is, like, you can run into a spiritual mother with your eyes closed, okay? Like, they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and I'm grateful for that. But what we have a lack of is true spiritual fathers, okay? And so in the first week, we talked about how fathers go the way. Teachers and coaches are great. You know, they point the way. They say, this is good, that is bad, but they don't go with you. Fathers go the way, all the way with you. That was week one. And then last week we talked about how fathers need to give loving correction. That you cannot correct correctly without love. You have to have a loving correction. And children need to receive. They need to love correction. So it's two ways on that. And today, I really want to talk about how true spiritual fathers always focus on the purity, not the problems of those they lead. True spiritual fathers have a focus on the purity, not the problems of those they lead. And it's not that there's an ignorance or we ignore issues or we say there's nothing bad or there's no problems. No, it's just those things are not our focus. Our focus as true spiritual fathers is going to be the destiny of the one we're leading, the pure version of whoever this person is. Okay, it takes prophetic insight. It takes being grounded in what you know God thinks about you. And many spiritual fathers are not very good at this because they don't see themselves as very good. Okay? But reality is you were born again into the last Adam. Not the second Adam. The final Adam. Okay? There's two generations on the earth. There's the first Adam and the last Adam. You're born of one of them. And when you are born again, you're born from the origin as Adam was born in the garden by the breath of God. Jesus said, you must be born again. But in Aramaic, it's born from the origin, which was his language, born from the origin as in the of God. That's where you're born again from. Okay. And so it has, there's no reason for me to speak to you any other way about your problems, except from a place of seeing you as pure. Is this making sense? So love doesn't call you out, it calls you up into your destiny in God. Love calls you up, but you got to know where the up is. <laughs> you got you to actually believe the up is real, but some of us don't even believe that. <laughs> and we get focused on the issues, and we think, oh, what we need to do is correct all the issues. No, we need to correct the way they see themselves, and the issues will become corrected. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. You have to have that pure lens, the pure vision. Amen. Amen. True spiritual fathers focus on the purity, not the problems of those who lead, they lead. And in fact, love matures you by forgetting your faults. God is love. Amen. First John chapter 4. God is love. And did you know 1 John 4, 17 says, God is love and as he is, so also are we in this world. That's a radical statement. John wrote that post-ascension. As he is, so also are we in this world. Hmm. That's not what I'm talking about today, but it says God is love, and it says in 1 Corinthians that love keeps some records of your wrongdoing, right? No, no records of wrong. <laughs> love keeps no record of wrongs. So love, forgive, love matures you by forgetting your faults. Love is going to grow you up by focusing on who you're meant to become, not who you're acting like, because sometimes you act in a fool, Amen. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes I act like a pure fool, but I am not a fool. I'm a son of God. Amen. So this comes straight out of 1 Corinthians 4. We've been reading this verse um, every week, but I've been bringing it in different translations on purpose. I love multiple translations. Uh, I think we need that because English is a very flat language and all the other ones, the biblical languages are very, they're different. So anyway, I'm going to read it out of the Good News translation. I think that sounds like a good idea the good news translation. I like this. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 through 16. This is Paul. He says, I write this to you not because I want to make you feel ashamed, but to instruct you as my own dear children. Instruct, structure within, structure on the inside. Instruct you as my own dear children. For even if you have 10,000 guardians in your Christian life, that's teachers, coaches, mentors, you have only one father. For in your life union with Christ, say this with me, in union with Christ. For in your union with Christ, Jesus, I have become your father. I want you to get this. He said, because of your union with Christ, I became your father. Is this, yes? Just hold on to that for a minute. We're going to come right back to it. That's the whole point today. Bringing, by bringing the good news to you, I beg you then to follow my example. So true spiritual fathers keep the truth of our union with Christ in view at all times. The Corinthian church was doing some wackadoo stuff. All right? Homie was sleeping with his father's wife and bragging about it in church. And no one was even batting an eyelash. And he said, you're in union with Christ. That's how I became your father. Think about that. In fact, the life of the believer does not end and union with Christ, it begins there, and I'm going to prove that to you today, because to be a true spiritual father, you have to have that in view. You have to keep it your focus. It's the only way to grow someone up in love, to lovingly correct them, to say that is so unlike the true you. The way you're acting is so unlike you. This is all over the scriptures, and I just, I I was picking scriptures just to, like, build my case on, and I stopped at seven passages. So, I just, and then I'm going to preach on a different passage. So, I'm just going to give you quickly seven instances of Paul's focus for the churches in that day, okay? Yeah, get ready to write them quick, because I'm going to go quick, all right? These are some examples. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. One spirit with him actually isn't in the Greek. I love pointing that out because it really says anyone who's joined themselves up to the Lord is one spirit. The statement we're one in the spirit, I understand it, but it actually isn't totally accurate. We're one spirit. Not one in the spirit, like the spirit's over there and we got to get in it. No, we're one spirit. <laughs> one body, one spirit, one father of all. Okay, so that's First Corinthians six seventeen. Are you ready for the other ones? Because I'm not going to slow down. Romans 8, 17 says, since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined to Christ, that's the word for union, made into union with Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. What? (laughs) I know, I could stop and just... Any one of these will preach till, seven times till Sunday, but I'm just going to keep going. Ephesians 1, 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. When you're asking for more from God, it's either ignorance or unbelief. <laughs> Ask for more awareness of what he already gave you. Okay, I told you I could stop in <laughs> Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because, say because, he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate with all our hearts. You should not come in here and worship God because you're a wretch. You should worship God because you're wrapped into Christ. Ephesians 2, 5 through 6, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us, before you did anything, he united you. Anything good. But even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. One of my favorites, Galatians 2.20, my old identity has been co-crucified, that's crucified in union with Messiah, and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God. It's not even your faith. I don't have enough faith. Fine, it's okay. He has faith. It's empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. You all have all become true children. Say true children. You have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one. And now you are covered and clothed with his anointing. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female. Can I get an amen, ladies? Because we're all one through our union with Christ Jesus with no distinction between us and since you have been united to Jesus the Messiah you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm I'm not done I have one more through our union Colossians 2:11 sorry Colossians 2 11, through our union with him we have past tense experienced circumcision of heart All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of your diligent Bible study, prayer life, fasting schedule, and church attendance. Oh, my bad. Start over. Start over. I'll read it right this time. All of the guilt and power of sin, all of the guilt and power, so many spiritual fathers are just, Leveraging guilt to disciple people—that's forgetting their union with Christ. It's not okay. All of the guilt and the power of sin—sin sin has no power over you. I hear, I hear. Well-meaning fathers-in-law teaching the church. Something I'll get that later. Teaching the church. Fathers-in-law. Teaching the church, the bride, that you got to, we got to hem you in. Set up boundaries because sin is powerful in your life. Sin is going to have power over you, so we have to figure out systems to fight it. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct. Because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. You messed up. Okay, let me ask you a question. You did something wrong. Okay, we agree. Yeah, that was wrong. All right. Is that more powerful than what he did right? Period. I refuse to elevate the fall of the first Adam above the rise of the last. I refuse. It's not okay. So I just stopped writing scriptures at that point. Like, okay, they'll get the point. But can you see how Paul came back to this over and over and over? It was a focus of Paul's writing. I don't know if you noticed, but we went through Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Romans, Corinthians. He, it wasn't just one letter. He did not hesitate to remind them of how he saw them and the truth of what Christ has done in their lives and their hearts. He kept their union with Christ in full view. In the midst of rebuke, in the midst of correction, all of it, the only way to do it from a tr- be a true spiritual father and do it is to keep that identity in focus. We need this. We need this. My parents are on the front row. They're amazing. And my mom specifically never let me or my brothers call each other an idiot. Said, you will not call him that. And I didn't get it for a long time, but I started to get it when I started, you know, really seeking the Lord later. I was like, oh. She did not want us to see someone based on who they what they're doing. Didn't want us to view people through the lens of their actions. She wouldn't let teachers call us that or whatever. She had a firm rebuke for those who would call us stupid. No, no. He did something stupid. He is not stupid. I remember her saying that. Built it in me. That's keeping identity in view. That's calling up into your destiny. That's what love does, it calls you up. If anyone's convicted about the way they talk about people right now, you can just blink and repent at any time, just blink. I just felt that. Ooh. Yeah, if you're saying they're they're so stupid. That that was they're such an idiot. Okay, let me I'll 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 really rip the scab off. If you talk about politicians that way, you need to repent. That's the easy one to get you on. I just <laughs> No, that was dumb. I don't like that policy. That was a bad idea. It's going to be havoc for us. It's bad. But that person is loved by God. And I'm going to be like my father and say, Jesus thinks they're to die for. It's viewing them in the light of the finished work of Christ. Love your enemies. Absolutely. This is what it looks like. True spiritual fathers see the church as a pure, radiant bride. Okay, I need you just to get this, that sons and daughters, individuals, like I'm a son of God. Okay, my mom is a daughter of God. But when we come together, we are the bride. The bride is the corporate expression of the church to the heavenly bridegroom. That's why bridal affection is the highest form of worship. Singing love songs to Jesus is the highest form of worship. And you can't do it alone. Like, ladies, let me help you. You are not the bride of Christ alone in your prayer closet. It's not possible. It's not possible. That should, that should comfort the men. Like, there's not an assignment on us, you know, to become like women or for women to become like men or whatever. It's a corporate expression of how we relate to God. Ephesians 5 actually says that marriage between a man and a woman actually typifies and shows the relationship between Christ and his church. It's a mystery. Ephesians 5, somewhere in that chapter. You can read the whole chapter and find the reference. It'll be good for you. But true spiritual fathers see the bride, not just the bride, but they see the bride as Eve in the garden. Just like Eve in the garden. I'll prove it to you. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 through 3. This is Paul. Again, remember he wrote 1 Corinthians, says, I'm your father. And then 2 Corinthians, he says, I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband, this is like giving away your daughter in marriage. Yeah. You connecting this here? Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, people usually take this to say, see, see, deception is rampant. The devil is powerful. Scary. Big devil, small God. That's what that is. The devil lives right here, bro. Right here. I don't even have a big shoe size. And he lives right there. He doesn't get out. I never let him out to play. It says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray. Here's what you need to understand. Eve in the garden, when she got deceived, she had no sin nature. She was perfect. I'll just ask you, were Adam and Eve perfect in the garden before the fall? Like The only time they were in the garden, they were perfect because they got kicked out right after it happened. You understand? They were perfect in the garden, right? And he's, why would he say, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray. Why that language? Why? Why not just say, I'm afraid you'll be deceived by the enemy? No, no. He says, as Eve was deceived. That means he sees the bride as Eve. Susceptible to deception, for sure, but not a wretched, dirty, whatever. What happened in the garden, right? Eve got tempted with something she already had. You'll be like God. So disobey God. Don't trust him. And eat this fruit, and you'll be like him. And her husband, who was with her, watched it all happen and didn't stop her. By the way, okay. It's going to come in hot? <laughs> Just trying to warn you. Just trying to warn you. There's no record of God telling Eve to not eat of the, t- the tree. There's only a record of God telling Adam. So Eve knew. That means Adam had to have told her. That means Adam was the guardian of her heart, and that's why the world is under the sin of Adam. He stood there and watched it happen. This is the sin of Adam, not the sin of Eve. Just so you know. So... You want to blame Eve? I hate those memes. This is, this is what I was going to say without all that backstory. I hate those memes that say when you see Eve in the garden, you give her that look like, you know, everybody's blaming Eve. It was Adam's fault. He was the steward of that. So that's not okay. It's not okay to blame the women. There's a whole line of thought in the church to see we can't trust women because Eve, because Eve, no, no, it was actually you, bro. Okay, that was free. (laughs) They were perfect, flawless, right? Without sin, am I right? In the garden, both of them, right? The perfect image and likeness of God. And they sinned just fine. So the idea that if you sin, you must have a sin nature is ridiculous. According to the first few chapters of the Bible, you can sin just fine without a nature to sin. This is so important because if you view yourself as a dirty wretch, if you listen to those people who bash the bride and tell them every Sunday that they're worthless and wretched and you're good for nothing and you're going to sin nine times for 9 a.m. Monday morning, they're prophesying death over you, not knowing who you truly are. It's not okay. In fact, if those preachers talk to my wife the way they're talking to Jesus every Sunday, we would not be friends. I have a keen awareness that I walk in here on Sundays to speak to the bride of Christ. I'm speaking to another man's bride. I best be careful. That doesn't mean I don't bring correction. If you're here, you know I don't care. I just will say it. Right. I'm saying the way I share it and from the heart I share it from. Oh, man, I'm checking my heart every single step up to this stage every single Sunday. Like, Oh, Lord, I have a holy fear. A reverence for the fact that I'm looking at Jesus' bride. I better speak well to her. So they're perfect in the garden. And then they disobey. And then they hide, right? And God, being God, knowing exactly where they are, comes in the garden and says, where are you? Right? It's kind of funny. Like, you know where we are. (laughs) These fig leaves are not that big. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's bad church jokes. Full of them. The point is, the Father was modeling for us what to do in times of failure. Say, where are you? Where are you? Because this, this ain't you. But instead, so many assign the action to the identity of the one who did it. You did that, you are it. You know, that's the teachings of like Plato, not Paul. That's the world's system. That's the psychology of the earth. It's a tradition of man. It's actually called the doctrine of demons by Paul himself. Okay. So just because you do it doesn't mean you are it. You're exactly what God says you are. Whether you act like it or not. And you're like, well, what about correction? This is correction. I'm showing you the correct way. Where are you? That should be a true, that would be a, a father solution for a moment of rebuke. Where, where are you? I know who you are. Where are you? We're raising up spiritual sons and daughters for sure, but we are presenting a pure bride to Christ. He's not coming back for sons and daughters. He certainly ain't coming back for a husband. Okay? He's coming back for a bride, a pure bride. So Paul was like a father presenting a bride on her wedding day. That's how he saw the church. That's how we need to see the church. That's how we need to look at one another. You're beautiful. Without flaw within. As even the garden. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guard your thoughts. Know the word. Search out the scriptures. Seek the person of truth. So that you will not be deceived into acting so unlike yourself. Not... You idiot. You did it again. That's not the father solution. That's not the union focus that we need to have. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.